0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Well, church, good morning. It really is a pleasure to be with you today and the privilege to open up God's word with you. Um, We are excited for this brand new series we're about to embark in. Um, so if you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to spend the next three or four months digging into this rich and awesome, awesome book. How many of you have spent some time in Isaiah recently? Raise your hand. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Good. Is that like your reading plan? You hit that spot where like, you're finishing up the Old Testament, you're coming to the end of the year. Um, Isaiah is one that I have not spent a lot of time in until recently. Until we figured out, hey, we're going to preach this book. I was like, I need to start reading and figuring out what's actually in this thing. Um, But it's been so good. And we are really excited to begin this new series with with you today called Sovereign God. And it's just our prayer as we we go through this book and this text. We're not going to walk through verse by verse. But we're going to hit a lot of the highlights of this uh, amazingly rich and deep book. But it's our prayer that you're going to see God in a brand new light. And that you're going to be able to trust his promises, maybe in a way that you've never done before. And you're going to see what it looks like to live life as one of, God's, one of God's children, as a people of God, as we just move ahead as a church. And so we are just thrilled to be able to kick off this series with you today. So Isaiah is the first of the major prophets in the Old Testament, right after the wisdom books. And so if you're having trouble finding it, you can go to the book of Psalms. Right there in the middle of the Bible, and then just start moving towards the New Testament. You're going to go Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, then you're going to hit Isaiah. If you you hit Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, you've gone too far. Go back. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah for a long time, so just bookmark it there in your Bibles. Um, If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to uh, invite you to take that Black Pew Bible there right in front of you. and You can turn it right to page 566. And you'll be able to follow along with us as we as we as we read God's word today. Um, we we just believe here 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 at a church that um, God's word is so important. And so instead of just listening to one of us preach and take our word for it, we want you to be able to open up God's word yourself, to read it for yourself, uh, to to make a habit of. Taking notes and just really uh, investing in our time here together uh, each Sunday morning. So I'd encourage you to take that pew Bible, and and, uh, and just open up as we begin to um, look through the Book of Isaiah today. I want to start off with a pop culture reference because that's what I'm good at. Sometimes, all right. So one of the biggest television shows over the past six years is this show. Coming up on the screen here, This Is Us. How many of this, or this Is Us fans we have in here? A few, okay, a couple. It's, it's cool, If you, no judgment here. If you, That's your guilty pleasure, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, it was a huge show on TV if you haven't recognized it. It got like huge ratings, people watched it a lot. I think my wife and I watched like one episode and was like, there is so much drama, I can't handle this. Uh, but for some of you guys, you guys are drama junkies. You love this stuff. And the, the brilliant thing about this show is that it had so much drama, so much conflict, and it's such a range of characters um, that the brilliance behind the show was that as people watched it, they could identify with that certain situation, or they could identify with that character, and it was almost like their life was being played out on screen. Again, not not a big drama guy, but for those of you who are, this was your show. There was all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues, But the brilliance about it was this is us became this is me. And for a lot of people that watched it, they just said, this is my life. Um, And for some people, it was an affirmation of what happened in their life or what was going on in their life. For some people, it was almost like a therapy session of of watching someone else experience what they had already experienced. But this is us for over the last six years until it stopped, I think this past spring, um, was a huge hit for that reason. Because I could identify with the people, the range of characters within that show. Church, Isaiah chapter 1 unfolds like an ancient version of This Is Us. And while it was written almost 2,700 years ago to people halfway around the world, we're going to see this morning that a lot of the the same things that we experience, we're going to see here in, in this first chapter. And as we read through it together, it's going to paint a picture of what happens when we turn from God and the impact that it has on our lives. Isaiah chapter 1 starts off guns blazing. So before we even get in, I just want to spend this, take a moment just to pray as we enter into our time in God's word. So what, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And God, we We acknowledge this morning that that you are God and we are not. As we enter into the book of Isaiah, Father, we're going to find, God, some things this morning. Lord, that could be hard. God's God's word is going to put up a mirror and we're going to see things that, God, we may not like and that we need to change. God, as we're going to see at the end of, end of this chapter, God, that there is hope. And we want to point people to hope today. So, God, as we open up, I pray, Lord, that I would just get out of the way. And, God, and that your word would do, Father, what your word does best. To convict hearts, bring about change, and give hope. Hope founded in the work of your son, Jesus. So God, we love you, and we look forward to this time uh, together in your word this morning. And I pray all these things in the name of the risen Jesus. Amen. So church, before we can grasp the message of the entire book of Isaiah, and we're going to be working through that message and, and so many different themes that are interwoven within this book, but the, before we can understand and apply it to ourselves, we need to be able to understand and grasp what, what the immediate context was. Um, sometimes as we read, as, especially Old Testament scripture, it's almost like listening to one half of a phone conversation. You guys ever been, been in the room where, where you're listening to, to, one, to a person um, having a phone conversation with someone else? You're only getting like half of that conversation. It's hard to fit pieces together and really understand what's going on. But God does us a favor by, by starting us out the way that he does in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. So I just want to read that and break this down. There are so many little nuggets of details um, really packed into this first verse. And it says, it says, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, who he which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Write there. Church, right right off the bat, the author of the book is Isaiah. All we know about him is that he's a son of, we know his dad, Amos. Isaiah was a prophet, a spokesperson, that God chose to bring a message to his people. And Isaiah ministered for almost 50 years during the reign of four kings. Most people think that that reign, that his ministry began in about 740 B.C., and, and ran through 700 B.C., maybe even to, to 690, 685 B.C., depending on, on the scholars that you read. But Isaiah had a ministry of, of at least 40 years dur- during the reigns of these kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So the book of Isaiah is a collection of the sermons that he would have preached, that he would have brought to God's people. So a- as, as we are reading this today, it's not just something that, that is to be read. You can almost picture Isaiah standing up in front of God's people proclaiming these words. And through, through, throughout the book here, this is, what, this is what Isaiah did. This is Isaiah's ministry. We have the privilege of looking into what he, what he said and what he proclaimed over those 40, 50 years of his life. But in the backdrop of Isaiah's writing stands One nation in particular, the nation of Assyria. See, between 900 and 609 B.C., Assyria was a force to be reckoned with. Um, as, Assyria, as Assyria grew in power, they expanded their kingdom to the south and to the west. You'll see here here on the map here, Assyria, Assyria is kind of up in that, in that northeast corridor, but as Assyria grew in power, it began to push southwest right to the heartland of the people of Israel. And so as, as Assyria's power grew, um, the nation of Israel's homeland began to get threatened more and more. And for the first 100 years of Assyria's reign, all that the nation of Israel did was try to defend its borders. For 100 years, that is all that they did. All money, all, all defense, everything was surrounded by we need to keep our land secure and safe. But in 785 B.C., at about 740 B.C., um, the king, there were three kings of Assyria that weren't focused on so much going so much southwest. And the people of Israel had a break. And for those 45 years, the, the nation was stable. God's people were safe. And life was really good. Um, so, some scholars think that they almost hit to, to the level of what King Solomon experienced in terms of prosperity and wealth. But isn't it true? That during these good times, when things are good, when when life is when when life is going the way that that we plan, when 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 our family is safe, when our banks, when our bank account is secure, isn't it crazy that during those times, those are the times where we turn away from God the most? And we begin living as if we actually don't need Him. We stop praying. We, we stop depending on him. We stop relying on his goodness and his promises. We stop turning to him for wisdom and guidance and direction for our lives. Church, this is where we find the people of Israel. Right on the cusp of what we'll see, and if you know anything about church, uh, uh, church history and his history in general, right on the cusp of the children of Israel experiencing doom and destruction like they hadn't experienced in a really long time. But at the moment that Isaiah's ministry starts, things are great. And we're going to see, just as so often the times is that where we find God's people, if we're honest, we often find ourselves. And I want to give you just, Isaiah begins, verse 2, with this opening charge of what, what, what really was going on within the people of Israel. Read with me in verse 2. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Isaiah had some guts. Can you imagine? This is how he started. This is the start of his ministry. Standing up and proclaiming to the people of God, listen, life seems really good. And things seem to be going well, but this is how God sees it. Verses two through four open up like a like an opening case in, in a divorce court setting. Where God, the God of the universe, is charging his people, saying, You have utterly left me, you have forsaken my ways, you have looked down upon my guidance, and we are utterly estranged. There is nothing left of our relationship at this moment. Now remember, God is talking to a people that he had a rich history with. This is the same God who in Genesis 15 called out Abraham and chose him and says out of your seed I'm going to make a holy nation. a One that is going to bless the entire, world, entire earth foreshadowing the coming of Jesus the Messiah. These are the same people that when they were enslaved in Egypt God came in and brought them out led them through, through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. It was was God who made a covenant with them in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and said, if you obey my commands, if you will worship me and me alone, I will bring prosperity and blessing to you like you've never seen before. God is saying, I have done so much for you. I I have given so much to this people, yet they have completely walked away from me. There is nothing left of our relationship. And unless something changes, destruction is going to come. This is how it starts. And the rest of chapter 1 shows us what happens when we decide to walk away from God. And this isn't just a picture of the children of Israel. It is a picture of us as well. As we read today, I don't want you just to simply think of man, the people of Israel did it really bad, I want you to begin thinking, how does this apply to my life? How am I illustrating these same attitudes? How, how, how have I walked away forsaken and been estranged from my Heavenly Father? And I think as we walk through, the similarities are, are going to be there and are going to be quite striking. So I want to walk through two things with you today. I want to show you how walking away from God impacts our life And it impacts our worship. And Isaiah mentions both of them here. So the first thing we're going to look at simply is this, is that this is our life. Read with me in verse 5. This is, again, God talking, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and raw wounds, they are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. In a way that only Isaiah can do, he he gives us these pictures. As, as we read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is a master of metaphor. He's a master of, of illustrating spiritual truth uh, by, by using physical things. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a very visual learner. I need those pictures. And, and God places them here for us. And he says, listen, your spiritual state is like this. God holds up this mirror and it says, you are like a body covered in wounds and sores. There is no soundness in you. There's no strength still left within your body. Nothing is good. And not, not only that, but it says there that there is, there is no one there to bind up your wounds. There's no one there to, 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 give, to give lotion and, and, and oil to heal you up. You are literally killing yourself. And then he gives us this, this picture here in verse, in verse 8 of, of an abandoned house. It's a house that, see, back in that day, farmers, to really... Um, you use daylight well. They would build houses around their, like, in the midst of their fields so that at, at the crack of dawn, they could be up working on harvesting their crops. But after the harvest was done, that house was then abandoned. And can you imagine, any, any people that you have a house and you, you pull out and there's no life there anymore, things begin to break down. And he's, in both instances, there's movements. Bodies, at one time, were, are normally healthy. Houses, at one time, are full of life. But the children of God are not that way anymore. And this concept comes up in Scripture all the time that God creates and man corrupts. God created something good. God, God created a relationship with his people. And God, God gave them everything that they needed so that they could grow and experience the blessing of walking with God. But we messed it up. We walked away. And so often in Scripture, when it comes to things like, like marriage and, and sex, when it, when it comes to things like family, all these things, God created something good, and, and we come along and we mess it up. We, we corrupt it. And in, both, and in all those cases, we suffer the consequences. This is a biblical concept. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. God said, I have given you everything you needed to experience wholeness and wellness, but you have walked away from me. Church, we live in a culture that says you do you. I can't tell you how many times I hear that each and every day. Probably not so much like around church, like Mike and Dan aren't saying, you do you every time, whatever. But like <laughs> I have friends that don't go to church. I, 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 I serve at the Olive Garden with people who normally don't go to church, and that happens all the time. I can't tell you how many times you do you, you do you, or you follow after whatever your heart desires. That is the mantra of, of, of our culture today. But sadly, we've taken up that same mantra as God's people And the consequences that come bring pain to ourselves and they break God's heart. Friends, our families and marriages are falling apart, often at a higher rate than than unbelievers around us. Our hearts and our lives are in chaos because we fill our schedules to the very brink, to the max so that we can feel affirmed and accepted by a, by a culture and society that views biz, busyness as holiness. We often escape things like food, drugs, materialism, pornography, trying to fill the void within our hearts, but it never satisfies. I almost picture it's a modern-day Rocky Balboa. You know how many Rocky fans you got here? And I grew up, grew up loving those movies. But you see, like, every time he fights, he gets beaten to a pulp. And he keeps going. And he's back at it again. Give me another round. He grabs one of those Lipton iced teas from the commercial, and he just goes at it. So often, we become, we are Rocky Balboa. But the thing is, we don't win at the end. The Russian destroys us every single time. And we think, well, th- this is just life. This is, this is what I do. Uh, Life is hard and and everything else, but I'm going to keep doing the same thing I always do and expect a different result. But that's insanity. And God is calling out to his people saying, listen, you are broken. You are devastated. There is no life left in you. And every day that you walk away from me, every day that you choose to forsake my ways and despise my direction, that life continues to bleed out of you. You are like a broken down body and an abandoned house. This is a lot. But I want, you to, I want you to think about your own life for just a moment. And I want God to speak to your hearts today. And I want to simply want to ask you where have you turned from God to find fulfillment? Where have you tried to find fulfillment and wholeness and, and purpose and meaning outside of a relationship with God? Where exactly have you despised and forsaken God's ways? And I simply want to ask you, once you identify that area, I just want to ask you, what have the consequences been? You can say, I have turned from God and I'm trying to seek fulfillment and find satisfaction here. Let's take it a step further. How's that working for you? What have the consequences been within your life? And you may think, well, right now they're pretty good. I'm doing okay, doing my own thing. But let me tell you, as you continue down that path, things are going to catch up. And there will be consequences to walking away from God. So if you get nothing else outside of this message today, I hope you do, but if there's nothing else, understand that Houston, we have a problem. There are things in our own life that that we have walked away from the Lord. And in the midst of that, in the midst of our search for satisfaction, I just want to remind you of what what our Heavenly Father says in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. God is calling out to us. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Listen to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Come to me that your soul may live. See, God hasn't shut the door on you to the point in saying, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. God is calling you back. What's the matter? Am I going to search after and seek after those things that will never satisfy? Or am I going to find my satisfaction in my heavenly father? And am I going to find it solely in him? But not only does turning from God impact our lives, it impacts our worship. I want to to just read briefly verses 11 through 17. You can follow along in your copy of scripture. God continues his charge and he says, What to me is a multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates They have become like a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before your eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring bring, Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Listen, there is a lot there that we don't have time to walk through every single part of it. But I want you to mention, I just want you guys all to notice something. Who are the people of Israel worshiping? They're they're still worshiping God. They're still going to the temple. They're still offering up prayers. They're still bringing sacrifices. They're still, they're still observing holy days. They're, they're going through the motions of what it looks like to follow after God and do the things that God had commanded them to do. But God says, I don't want any of that anymore. And when we turn from God, when, when we begin to do things our own way, we replace a relationship to pursue with rituals to perform. We replace a relationship to pursue with rituals to perform. Church, before we get all judgmental, let's agree that this is indicative of many of our our lives. Let's put it out there. Our hearts can be turned from God, yet we can still go through the motions of worship, can't we? We can show up on a Sunday. We can sing some songs. We can sit through a sermon. We can even serve on a ministry team, yet our hearts remained unchanged. I've learned this lesson um, from my walk with with my wife and my family. As a family with four young kids, our days are filled with chores to do, errands to run, and projects to complete. And I have a tendency to focus on working for Melanie and our family instead of spending time with them. Like, I can check all the boxes. I can mow the grass. I can take the trash out. I can do whatever it is. I can check mark make sure all those things are done. But I can spend I can go an entire day without really connecting and pursuing with the other people within my family. And if I'm not careful, I have replaced a relationship with them with simply with rituals to perform and work to be done. And the point of all these verses that God is trying to bring out is that God does not want our worship if he doesn't have our hearts. God doesn't want our sacrifice of coming on a Sunday morning. God doesn't want our financial donations to the church. God doesn't want us serving on a ministry team. If our, lives are not, our, our, if our lives are not changed by a relationship with him. Now watch when I say that, and our offering is going to like tank next week, and it's going to be all on me. <laughs> but the, the truth is still there. God would rather have a small offering. God would rather have a small service with people that love him, with people that are changed by a relationship with him, rather than a, an auditorium packed with people who put in their time, walk out the door, and leave the rest of their life unchanged. God wants our hearts. And I simply want to ask you the question this morning, when was the last time you walked with God instead of working for him? When was the last time You literally stopped all the work and met with God. Spent time with him in his word. Prayed with him. Had a conversation with him. Received mercy and grace and instruction and forgiveness from him. Instead of saying, I'm just going to keep working. I'm going to check off my boxes. When was the last time you just sat and just were with God? This happens often, even when we when we recognize that we failed in a part of our lives, and there are certain things that we know need to change. But the first thing that we do, I gotta pray more. I gotta I gotta read my Bible more. I need to I need to attend church more. I need to do all these things, and we're starting instead of starting from a place of I just need to be with Jesus. We start from the place of I just need to do more things for Him, and those things aren't bad. And God calls us to those things but he calls us to the to to those things with the foundation of I am pursuing a relationship with the God who loves me and all those other things are gonna come. When was the last time you just sat and received from God what he need what he wanted to give you that day? So Isaiah has shown us our life and our worship without God. But he lives us with a call to come back. We're going to re- read one more verse, verse 18. One of my favorite verses in, in the entire book. Verse 18 says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson crimson they shall become like wool I'll read that again come let us reason together says the lord though your sins are as scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall become like wool church after all the ways that we have rejected god All of our all of our attempts to find satisfaction apart from Him, and after making worship no more than a checklist to to perform, God still calls us back to Himself. Some people say that the Old Testament is void of grace, and it's all about a God of judgment. I don't think they read this verse. This verse is full of grace. after all the ways that we've turned our back on god he still invites us to come and i love what he says he calls us to a conversation and the thing about a conversation is that it's empty handed he's not saying come come bring bring all of your good deeds and let me make and let me see if those good deeds add up to something and then we'll talk he says, come, take, take, all of your, take all of the things that you've done in my name, and then we'll talk. He says, come, empty-handed, and let's have a conversation. And instead of you bringing anything to me, he said, come empty-handed to receive what I have for you. he calls us to come and receive his grace and mercy. And he gives us promise. He says, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though your sin is red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Friends, this is the power of the gospel. That God takes you and your sin-stained life with all of your guilt and all of your shame and all of your sinfulness. And God wipes that all clean. and God takes the places of your life that you thought would never be clean again. places of your life that you thought would never be whole. And he makes them new. This is what some theologians have called the great exchange. Where we take our sinfulness, our guilt, and our shame, and we bring it to God, and he gives us forgiveness And he cleanses us from our sins. And he gives us what we can never do or give or accomplish on our own. That we would become the righteousness of God. And it points us to the work of Jesus. Jesus, when he came to earth, God loved us enough to, to send his son. God acknowledged our sin. God knew our sin problem. God, God, I'm sure, when he sent his son, he's going back to portions in Isaiah and wondering and is saying, You have forsaken me. You've gone away from me. You're not looking for me, but I'm going to come after you. And God, in his goodness, gave us his son, who on the cross took our sin upon himself so that we could experience the righteousness of God. Jesus literally became sin so that you and I could be made whole. He took your sin and my sin upon himself so that we could experience the righteousness of God. So as we barely scratch the surface this morning, as we open up the book of Isaiah today, there's a call, and there's something that I want you to remember. simply is this, that, church, it is never too late to come back to God. We've talked a lot this morning about who we are and what what we've experienced and our turning away from him. But God finishes up this chapter saying, but listen, it's never too late to come home. For some of you here this morning, you have walked with the Lord for years, but your heart is far from him. No matter what what has happened while you were away, the mistakes that you've made, the sins you've committed, all of those things, God has promised to, make, to take those sins and make them white as snow, to make you white as snow. And if God is tugging on your heart this morning, let me encourage you with something. If you are a child of God here today, and God is tugging on your heart, and you just, you know you failed. And there's areas of your life that you know you have walked away and you're experiencing the consequences of that. It is easy for us to begin saying, I just need to try harder. I just need to do my devotions more. I just need to pursue my wife and kids. I need to be a better leader at home. I need to, I need to gain victory over this addiction. And I just need to try harder. Let me encourage you today, don't do that. Because that's all willpower. And willpower only lasts so long. God says, come. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your failing. But receive mercy and grace. Receive a cleansing of your heart, And then you move forward out of that space not just trying to do more things for him. But if God's working on you today, do business with him. Don't leave this place without having that conversation within this morning. And I want to talk to one more group today that maybe you're here this morning and you've been invited by a friend or a family member or a coworker, Or maybe you simply found us online and you're simply just searching for something. But I want you to know that that promise in verse 18, that that promise is for you today. You may be thinking, but God has no idea what I've done. And this is for a semi-good people. This, this isn't for me. This isn't for what I've committed. It's not for what I've done. It's not, about, it's not for those with my past. But I want you to notice that there are no disclaimers to this promise. That this is for everyone. And that God offers for you today. For you to take all of your sin all of your mistakes and come empty-handed toward Jesus and let him change your life. It's not about doing good works to earn your way to heaven, to prove that you're worth it. It's about coming empty-handed to a God of love and grace and mercy and letting him do what only he can. So if there has never been a time in your life where you have acknowledged that you were a sinner, where you've acknowledged your need for a God to come and forgive you and save you from your sins, it starts there. God can't save you. God can't save someone who doesn't acknowledge that they need saving. So it's, it begins with acknowledging that I need God and I need my sins to be forgiven. But then it's believing. It's believing that, that God loved you enough to send his son Jesus to come to earth 2,000 years ago who lived a perfect life and who died on the cross in your place for your sins. And believing that not only did he die, but he rose three days later and that he offers eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And he says that this life isn't just something that you believe and you go on your merry way. God calls us to a new purpose and a new creation and, and, and a new and a new way of living where it says, I'm going to put God first. I want to do, I want to do things his way now. So it's believing that God loves me, that Jesus died for me, And that if I believe in the eternal promises of Jesus, I can experience everlasting life beginning today. So you acknowledge you're a sinner, you believe in what Christ has done, and you literally just accept God's free gift, forgiveness. Isaiah 118 is an empty-handed conversation where God does all the work and God gives us everything that we need. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision, and that's something that you would like to do. May I encourage you to do so today. And there's a couple ways that, that you can do that. If someone brought you today, I would encourage you to talk with them about it. Ask them what it looks like to begin a personal relationship with Jesus. Ask them what it means to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. That I, Ask them what it means to believe in what Jesus has done and accept that free gift of eternal life. But if you came by yourself today, we have a couple options for you. One is that we have this pack, these packets of information up front. Um, one is the Gospel of John. It is a book of the Bible, but it is it, is, it focuses on the life and ministry of Jesus. It's a great place to start investigating who Jesus is. The second book there is a book called Ultimate Questions. And it literally is a, is a pamphlet created for some of the biggest questions that people have about God and eternity. And we would love to get those into your hands today. And so if you're not at the point, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm still investigating, and we'd encourage you to come and take one of these pamphlets here today. But if you are ready, we'd love to have that that conversation with you, whether it's the person you came with. I'm going to be up front for a while. Some of the other pastors will be as well. Um, Pull someone aside. We'd love to have the conversation today about how you can know for sure that you have eternal life let me leave you with this again. It's never too late to come back to God. So whether you're coming for the first time or you need to come back to him, may today be the day where you do business with him. And this is the day of, this is day one of a fresh start for you. Let's stand and I'm going to just invite the the praise team up and the prayer team to come forward as well. Let me just pray over you guys and then uh, we'll sing one more song. Suddenly, Father, God, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you, God, for your goodness, and for your grace. And Lord, I thank you, God, that so often we've turned our backs from you, but yet you so graciously and mercifully called us back to yourself. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would give, give us courage today. It is hard to come empty-handed to someone, to approach someone without anything to give. But that's what you call us to do. That's the gospel, Father, that you, you love so you gave and you give eternal life and forgiveness based upon the work of Jesus. So, God, I pray, Lord, that we would experience that grace and love and mercy today. And for those people, God, who know you as our Lord and Savior but have walked away from you, sometimes for years, God, may today be the day where they come face to face with a loving God who promises to take their sins and make them white as snow. God, may our people do business with you today. And may we rest, God, in the promises of who you are. And your love for your children. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.